Phase World Podcast helps independent creators live their creative and financial freedom. I'm your host, Fei Wu, and I'll be taking you through a series of interviews with creators from around the world who are living life on their own terms. Each episode is packed with tactics, nuggets you can implement, origin stories to make listening productive and enjoyable. We're not only focused on the more aspirational stories, but relatable ones as well. We also have non-interview-based mini-series releasing throughout the year to help deep dive into topics such as freelancing, marketing, even indie filmmaking that will benefit creators like you. Show notes, links, and ways to connect with the guests are available on phaseworld.com. Now, on to the show. Hey, everyone. This is Fei Wu from Phase World Media. I'm here with my Tony Robbins, whose name is Joanna Penn. Oh, thank you. Not quite Tony, but, you know, <laughs> heading that way. <laughs> exactly. I, I mean, I'm so thrilled about this conversation that I announced on social media. One thing to keep in mind, Joanna is in, in England, the UK, and it's really end of day for her. I just, I so appreciate it's you. after five o'clock, so I have a gin and tonic. <laughs> but the thing is, your day starts super early, right? You mentioned you woke up at four in the morning today. Yeah, well, I just feel like, uh, I mean, it's winter here, it's cold, and I live in Bath in the southwest of England. And, uh, but I'm really fired up around my business stuff right now. And we'll talk about some of that. But when my brain is buzzing with ideas and books and all of this stuff. I find myself waking quite early and then I get started early. Also, because I record a lot of my own audio books and podcast episodes like you do, have it, you know, recording really early in the morning before all the noise starts in the world. We just came out of lockdown today again here in the UK. So suddenly it's noisier in the morning. So yeah, I like to start early. I'm an early morning person. Wow. Good for you. I, I am a little bit opposite of that. So late at night for me is very, very productive. Um, but in case, I mean, I've I've written about you. I've interviewed you before. Met up with you in Orlando, Florida during podcast movement. There's so much I want to say about that. But for people who haven't heard about Joanna, first of all, just a brief intro. Joanna writes nonfiction for authors and is an award-nominated New York Times and USA Today bestseller, uh, best-selling thriller author as JF Penn. Uh, she's also an award-winning podcaster, creative entrepreneur. I love that word. An international uh, professional speaker. I have listed her intro and her social media handles, including Instagram, in the description below, wherever you are, YouTube, LinkedIn, and also links to her most two most recent books I absolutely love for you to explore. And her website is just still, it's not a hidden gem, but I still feel like should be, you know, read and, and discovered by even more people. Um, people within my group who are writing books right now just find it tremendously helpful. And um, I'm just going to say it in 2021, I will publish my book. So this conversation just means so much to me. Um, so yeah, thank you, Joanna, for, for taking the time. Um, we're here to talk about ecosystem and it's something I feel like it's not just an idea concept you created, but it's really a philosophy. I, I see you mm -hmm. really as a modern day philosopher teaching us so much about, not just about writing and being an author, but any type of business, especially a digital business, anyone wants to, to start. I feel like you've really got that blueprint ready. 
Oh, well, thank you. And I mean, I've, I guess I've been doing this for a while now. And uh, 2006, I first self-published my book, my first book. I've got like 34 books or something at this point. But it's interesting because back in 2000 and, uh, you know, 2006, 2008, um, it was only considered vanity if you put out your own book. Whereas I always considered myself an empowered creative entrepreneur, you know, so it's a savvy business decision to do this. And I started uh, blogging, started podcasting 2009. And I feel like it's in terms of ecosystem, it has snowballed. So if people listening are just starting their online journey, their online ecosystem, that's probably the number one tip to start with is it does take time to build. And I mean, you were saying about your YouTube channel, you know, you put one video out and nobody notices, then you put one out a week and eventually people start noticing. And, and I feel like right now I'm on, I, I left my job in 2011. So I'm coming into next year as my decade as a full-time creative. And, you know, some people say that 10 year overnight success. So I'm looking forward to my 10 year overnight success. <laughs> I love that. I I even loved in the description to say this is no way a, a clickbait. There's so many clickbaits out there and people are, I mean, perhaps even we are clicking on some of those thinking that, you know, there will be great if there's a, a shorter path to success. Mm-hmm. But meeting you and seeing how your system works, I was, I was so blown away. And 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 for people who are hearing this for the first time, I told a lot of my close families and friends. After we met up in Orlando, literally that day, uh, you left, you went back to the UK and I locked myself up in an Airbnb for 16 hours straight. I learned, I watched more of your videos because I, my, my flight was too late in getting back to Boston. I was like, why am I locking myself up? That was the best thing ever because there was no distractions. I signed up for all the affiliate marketing programs. I watched so many of your videos and, and on YouTube as well as podcasts. I was ecstatic. It just so felt so much synergy. And then a year later, uh, as before I hit re- recording, my 2020 has been very different because of you. And so I'm really, really you know, grateful for what you taught me. Oh, thank you. Well, I guess we should probably explain what the idea of the ecosystem is. So I guess, um, so first of all, obviously, I'm a multi-passionate creator, and I think you are too. I think you favor the visual medium, uh, mm-hmm. although you're going to write, obviously. Uh, I, I tend to favor written and audio uh, over visual. But, you know, we are creative people, and the idea of an ecosystem is... A network, and in terms of a network, we need lots of different things that bring people into our world. I mean, you have phase worlds, which is great because that is exactly the point. So you could say that it's your world. I have different names. JF Penn is my thriller writer, Joanna Penn, I do other things, but I have, or I have two podcasts now, and I'm probably starting a third one. I've got two YouTube channels, I've got loads of different social media. Um, I do interviews like this, but everything is designed to bring people back into my ecosystem now or maybe you're browsing on Amazon and you're looking for how to market a book or um, maybe you're I don't know on iTunes or whatever finding me through SEO or social or podcasting or video or whatever brings you into my ecosystem and then 
it's not, and this is the mistake I see so much, right? Mm. It is not content for the sake of content because we are also business people. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so what you have to think is, okay, so I have all this ecosystem. I have my so brilliant, gorgeous social media posts or whatever, but it has to drive revenue because I want to make money. And that's the key. So when we talk about ecosystem and what I said to you about uh, affiliate revenue, for example, so, uh, you know, if you're an affiliate, whatever you do online, you are going to use certain tools. So one of the tools I use to format eBooks, uh, and you can do it for print books too, is Vellum, software called Vellum. So I made a tutorial on Vellum. It's useful for my audience. Uh, it goes on YouTube. It's been watched thousands of times. And then if people use my link, I get money. Mm -hmm. So, and that link to my uh, tutorial is in pretty much all my books for writers. So it's kind of scattered all over that ecosystem. I put it out on social media in that ecosystem. I talk about it on things and put it in my podcast. So what you've got to think with an ecosystem is you're designing products and services, which are your kind of the core thing that makes revenue. But then you can also put affiliate links and links to those products and services in all of the other things you do. And over time, and it might start out really small, but over time that ecosystem gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And that's the magic of content marketing as well, is that this interview, people could find this in a couple of years time and they still might find it useful. And so that to me is the kind of the idea of ecosystem. And as you have discovered, it is suddenly even more valuable in an era post-pandemic or still during pandemic, as we record this, uh, the digital business model has come of its own, really come into its own in 2020. And those of us with a digital first business model, a global business model have um, been fine. Uh, as long as we've stayed physically safe, you know, our businesses have been fine. And um, certainly I've been paying all my taxes, <laughs> so, you know, and that's great. That is just res the resilience of this kind of business model is incredible. And I think that's what you found this year too. Absolutely. And uh, with full transparency, people know how much I love my mentors, Seth Godin, Chris Voss, Dory Clark. And this past year, I find myself mentioning your name very frequently, if I dare to say, even more so than I've mentioned Seth Godin, which Ooh. is talking <laughs> uh, really in my world, because I feel like what you have provided us with are truly blueprints and things we can experiment and on top of that, a mindset to say how to merely ship, how to ship when it's good enough, and how to be better at it. Um, so one thing, I'm not sure if you remember, but we're sitting down at dinner in Orlando, and then you pull out your phone without bragging at all. And you said, you know, this is a video from YouTube where you talk about how to build a author website. Um, but really is a marketing ecosystem, including uh, this is how you capture emails. And that video was long, 45 minutes or so um, with, you know, affiliate links. And you were telling me that, you know, given the traffic, not even millions of views on your video, but even with just a few thousands, people have purchased products from you, whether it's ConvertKit for email, whether it's WordPress, uh, that, guys, I can't even begin to tell you what it felt like to me to realize, number one, the missed opportunities and where I can target and, and really create content that would help people. And then one more thing that you, you mentioned, a very high level that I studied in more details, are not all affiliates are made equal. Some are one-time payments, some are what's called recurring payments up to 30 or even 40%. So for example, ConvertKit, 
only at the lowest end, only cost $30. But for every single person, sign up through your link, you're getting $10 every month. And you don't have to be a mathematician to figure this out. And that's precisely what, what I have experienced. And so I love the concrete details for what, what you taught. Oh, good. And I think what's interesting, and just so people know, that's at thecreativepen.com forward slash author website. And of course, you are welcome to model my stuff as you know, I know you have and that I'm absolutely happy, like take notes on it and then make your own. I've done that with lots of my mentors over the years. So as, as you said, there are a lot of affiliate links within those three videos. It probably took me about two days to create them. And I had to re-record them this year because they do age, obviously. But yeah, they make thousands of dollars every month and they just sit there uh, doing that. But it is, I think it's, um, in terms of affiliate marketing, I think the difference is, uh, you know, obviously you, you and I were both female entrepreneurs. About a decade ago, the affiliate marketing space was very dominated by techie men who were sort of, it was the sort of get rich quick thing. But that is no longer the case. Uh, you can absolutely use affiliate marketing in an authentic service way. So I get emails thanking me for those videos every week. And this is the, this is the golden side of it. You help people and people are grateful. And then they use your link because it's useful and they want to repay you because the video is free. So, and you absolutely just talk about it. You're honest about it. You're authentic about it. And also you only are an affiliate for products and services that you use and can recommend ethically. So that's really, important. I know you're a fan of that. But if people have that kind of, oh, that sounds dodgy, it's only dodgy if you're mm -hmm. recommending stuff that you're just getting money on. So for example, I've been offered a very big affiliate payment, um, one-off payment mm -hmm. for leads to what I consider um, shark publishing services, you know, not good services for authors, but the money they were offering, I could make a lot of cash on, but I'm not going to do that because I value my reputation and I care for my audience far more than I care about that money. And yes, I might make more money in a couple of months, but over the years, people start not to trust you. And our trust is a really important thing. So I read a book, actually, I'm talking of mentors, a guy called Chris Brogan, uh, a decade ago, uh, wrote a book called Trust Agents. And that book was one of those books, you know, we have these moments of getting it. And I was like, oh, right, this, if people know you, like you and trust you, they will buy from you and you will be able to make a good living mm -hmm. still with a sort of ethical, generous um, way of doing things. And, and that's underpinned my business um, since then. Mm, I have... So many questions and, and our, my audience have questions for you. When okay, it comes to, go for it. <laughs> uh, yeah, identifying audience. There is one more hidden gem. I couldn't believe it. Maybe you don't believe how much uh, that one hour dinner really resulted in uh, all these key takeaways. And I still remember very vividly uh, the last thing I remember, cheers, and we got to go back to our hotel rooms. And you said, Faye, that really there's a key element and that was traffic. How do we generate sufficient traffic so so more enough people are hitting the affiliate links, right? If your video gets five views, 50 views, and if you don't see the affiliate payment yet, that doesn't mean you're doing something wrong. Uh, you know, maybe you need to recreate the video, but 
I got to say the decision to appear on YouTube, which is part of Google, by the way, that generated such significant traffic for me. And that's how I really saw all the links are getting hit. And like you said, all these payments are coming in automatically. So traffic was key. I don't know why. It, maybe it was obvious, but to me, it's like, wow. Yeah, I've, I had, had not had enough traffic at that point, at the point I was talking to you. Uh, your websites, for, for numbers sake, I know, Joanna, your website was already getting more than a million uniques a month. It's probably more now, I assume. Well, interestingly, uh, it was when we met mm -hmm. and then the Google BERT algorithm change happened. Do you remember that was at the end of Oct uh, October 2019? And it was, I was pretty, um, I, I probably about a quarter of my traffic went within a week but what was what and I was immediately I was like oh my goodness and then I realized that it doesn't matter and I watched my income and it was fine and not you know this, there was no impact at all so and this is a bit like the email list discussion how big is your email list uh, uh, you know we don't have to compare list sizes or oh. traffic sizes <laughs> but the interesting thing is uh, I did have a few heart palpitations but Google BERT is related to a lot of voice search and it's interesting because, of course, YouTube and the instant transcription of things that's happening now, the voice technology side. And what that uh, update did is make things even more targeted. And look, let's face it, we do not want traffic. We do not want email signups from people who are not interested in what we have to give. We only want to engage with people who are our target market. So, for example, I help authors. Mm -hmm. And that's a big, a big statement. But then I really only help authors with a sort of independent mindset who want to run a business as an author, mm -hmm. who are attracted to that entrepreneur ethos. I don't help an author who just wants to get an agent and a publishing deal. That's mm -hmm. not what I do. So I think just coming back to that, yes, traffic is critical, but it has to be the traffic for the people who you want to reach with the stuff that you have to sell them or to click on. So again, um, and that coming back to that author website video, for example, if you're an author who only wants an agent and a publisher, you're not going to want to bother building a website probably. Whereas if you're someone who wants to run your own creative business, then that's something you might do. So um, just, and then just on the traffic thing. So for me, again, it's part of this ecosystem idea. Number one in my mind is always SEO, search engine optimization. So you know this with the videos, you have to have a good title. And, but then, uh, and this is possibly getting less and less relevant as we move into this AI mm. world where intent, search intent is becoming part of the algorithm, but we still need to get people's attention somehow. So creating content that, um, attracts your audience is generally the key. You can pay for traffic, obviously. You can do ads, but um, it's not something I've really done much of at all. I do pay for ads on my books mm -hmm. for on Amazon and through other sites, but not on my content. I have mainly uh, relied on SEO and word of mouth, which means it's slow growth, but it's manageable and steady and pretty good. <laughs> mm, yeah. I love how you can, uh, you know, sometimes I feel like I can be a little chaotic when I ask questions, but I love how you're already 
managing our way to the who you're targeting conversation because that is a struggle a lot of my clients and you know for me earlier on I kind of mm. had the struggle it sounded really good you got an avatar put a picture on your computer look at that woman that's who you're writing to that sounds a well and good um but did you ever find yourself in a situation where you feel like you want to target audience A, but ended up having A, maybe a little bit B and C, like how to position yourself and your content to actually reach the right audience and stay there. Yeah. Well, staying there is another question, but <laughs> okay. So I think uh, this re most recent book I've written, Your Author Business Plan, which again, could be not just author business plan. It could be any creative business plan, but um this actually really solidified for me as I wrote it because I realized I've always had one business plan. But what I realized is, is I do need two business plans. And one is for the creative pen and me as Joanna Penn. And I, as I just said, I serve authors who want a creative career, who want to be empowered and, you know, run their own business. But JF Penn, so, and that's pretty clear. And it's very obvious what kind of content I can create for that person. And, but with JF Penn, my thriller persona, my fiction persona, I actually write in three very different subcategories. So I write th action adventure thrillers, I write crime novels, and I write fantasy. And exactly as you're saying, those, there's some overlap, but very little. And so it makes it incredibly difficult to create content to attract those people. So what I've actually ended up doing is uh, I have a second podcast, Books and Travel, so the Books and Travel podcast, because the thing that underpins all my fiction is uh, international locations and the fact that all my books are based on physical locations that I travel to. The pandemic year has been difficult <laughs> for yeah. that. But so what? Uh, so the, the tip for people is, first of all, let's go to the easy one, like my Joanna Penn. The question is, who do you serve? And when you think about who do you serve as opposed to who do you sell to, sell to is like, here's my product or my book, somebody buy it. Um, whereas who do you serve has a different attitude. I certainly think Seth Godin, you know, is someone who thinks in that way. It is about serving a market. And that's why, uh, you know, I've recently written a book on AI. And when I wrote that because I was like, I, the, my, the audience I serve needs to know about changes in copyright law, needs to know about reinvention of this market. Uh, and because I serve them, I'm going to put that out there. For So that's a kind of more obvious thing. So if you're struggling with content, think about, I, don't, I mean, the reader avatar is a difficult thing. Uh, you know, I'm at least a decade older than you, for example. So saying, oh, only women over 45 enjoy my stuff. That's not true. You know, we're from different cultural backgrounds, but what we share is an enthusiasm for creativity and business. I mean, we, we share that. Mm -hmm. And so that's the, it's called psychographics, the things that are more about attitude than about your race or your gender or, you know, your age. And then on the JF Penn side, um, if you're a more diverse creator, so if you're a multi-passionate creator, then it's about looking for something that intersects. Um, but what I am planning to do is offer different landing pages into those different 
um, series. So again, I mean, you have different landing pages on your site for, hey, you might be interested in my documentary is quite different to what I um, hired you for at one point was how do I get my podcast into China? Right, exactly. (laughs) Yeah. So you have different landing pages. So I think my overarching suggestion for people is, yeah, answer that question. Who do you serve? And it's a pretty deep and meaningful question. So don't just have a one word answer. Um, And then the second one is, you know, what are the things that underpin everything when it comes to who I serve and what do they have in common? Mm -hmm. Mm. And because if I were to answer that question for Joanna Penn, (laughs) right, the reason what attracted me to your work is you, you know, and I, I, somehow found that to be the most astonishing answer. Uh, I, I said that to a group of podcasters and YouTubers I serve. I said, you are the platform. You as a person, you're the one who brings in all the unique insights, enthusiasm, the attitude. And that's what matters because, sure, there are other people writing a version of maybe what you're creating or even share some of the similar philosophy, but nobody delivers it quite like you. You know, and uh, so that, do you agree with that or do you find that kind of surprising? Oh, no, that, I mean, that is the, the basis of a personal brand. Um, Chris Ducker, who's another British entrepreneur, has a book called Youpreneur. And, um, you know, but the idea of the personal brand has been around, you know, a long time now. Again, Seth Godin is an example of a personal brand. There are plenty of people who write about marketing, um, but we go back to Seth because he's Seth and, and he's so prolific as well. Um, but this idea of know, like and trust uh, is something that pervades everything. And interestingly, when I think about AI and art, you know, the future of artificial intelligence, there is no doubt in my mind that the AI algorithms, tools, whatever you're going to call them in the future, will do a better job of specific things that I can do now. Um, but <laughs> exactly what you just said, the thing that I bring is me. So when I write a book on, uh, you know, like I've got here behind me, how to write nonfiction, how to write a nonfiction book. I mean, seriously, how many of those books are there in the world? Or, you know, my fantasy novels, how many fantasy novels are in the world? <laughs> and there are going to be so many more. Yeah. Um, but, yeah and like you, the book, wait, what's your book on next year? Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm pivoting right now, but oh, I should... <laughs> Uh, (laughs) Well, whatever it's going to be on, you will be the thing that makes it unique. So, and if you're just starting out, this can be really, really hard because you think, uh, oh, I hate my voice or, oh, I don't look great on video Mm. or, oh, it's all right for Faye. She's a young woman and I have to wear loads of makeup in order to look all right. (laughs) You know, or, you know, it's, you have this self-criticism around, oh, well, no one's going to be interested in me or my life. Why, why would anyone be interested? So you, you have to get over that because we connect with people, people connect with people. Um, you know, when I met you, I mean, obviously I meet loads of people at events and stuff, but you and I connected because of our shared enthusiasm for things. And thus we have a, you know, a friendship built on that connection in person, in real life. Amazing. (laughs) Uh, But that's the thing. So if you're listening and 
like you've got to be honest. So for example, I love graveyards. I'm a taffophile, someone who loves graveyards and death culture and buys books with skulls. And I'm basically a vanilla goth. If I was a proper goth, I'd be covered in tattoos and like wear a lot of black makeup, but I'm what's known as a vanilla goth. Um, and that's part of my fiction persona that now I talk about. I didn't talk about it for maybe eight years yeah. because I was ashamed and I thought I was weird. But it turns out that loads of people like graveyards. <laughs> yeah, you're absolutely right. In fact, I'm so glad you're touching upon this point because the reason why I thought I was going to talk about, um, I was going to write a book for immigrant um, mm. creative entrepreneurs. So it, it, it's a that was my idea. And I realized I could actually um, instill some of my own stories. And so I decided for the first time just a few weeks ago, I re, re basically rewrote the entire newsletter to be about actually a lot of what we we're talking about, income streams, but starting with being 17, creating the podcast, nobody wanted to listen to at first, then the documentary, then pivoting to uh, you know a lot of what we're talking about right now. And people said, the engagement was so high. I'm getting rep replies all the time. People said, why don't you turn this into a book? Could this be one of your books? And I was like, well, do people, are people interested in my story? Let's just give it a shot. So that's uh, just hearing that makes me feel like this is, I definitely want to give it a shot. Definitely. And look, let's just encourage people about writing a book as well. I feel like there is a great um, fear of writing a book because you think, uh, that by putting yourself out there in that way, you're, you, there will be, it's such a high bar. I mean, and it is a high bar and I want people to take it very seriously, but it is easy to publish a book. It's actually easier to publish a book now on Kindle in ebook and print format than it is for you to create a stunning video on YouTube with all the, you know, cuts and stuff. Right. Um, you know, so I want people to think that um, publishing a book is another form of content marketing. So for example, I now, I don't read blog posts. Mm -hmm. I don't watch YouTube videos. Mm -hmm. um, so for actually, for you to reach someone like me, mm. you need to write a book. And when I read your book, I'm going to learn all the stuff that I am not going to learn from your videos because I'm not going to watch your videos. So you actually meet a completely different consumer when you write a book. And then, of course, within the book, you're going to have a call to action to your email list and you're going to maybe have links to your products within it. You're going to have um, affiliate links. I use a Pretty Links plugin for WordPress so that you can have, because um, of course with a print book, you can't use clickable links. So you have to have right. easily readable ones. I mean, although that's formatting stuff, but believe me, a lot of people now, if I hear someone on a podcast, the first thing I do will be to go look for their book. Mm -hmm. I don't want to bother reading 10 years of their blog. I just want to know what they think about a particular topic. So you're doing exactly the right thing. And you, what you have to think is the people who get that book, they're either already fans of yours or you want them to be by the end of the book. So you're right. The more personal you can get, the better. Mm. Love it. Oh, I feel so good. This is my, I feel like this is meditation for me. I get so <laughs> excited thinking about our conversation together and uh, I must say that what I'm also feeling really proud of you that I want to, the fact that we're still living in the pandemic and the fact that you ship and you produce content all the time. Uh, at a high level, I've not seen any slowdown when I get your email and you publish two books, uh, even just recently. 
So I guess the first part of the question, if you're watching this and you are already a seasoned author, meaning you've published at least one book, and this is the the type of question that I've received from uh, Jenny Lisk, for example, uh, who's really interested in your topic, your book on AI. I know not everybody, yeah. um, but <laughs> you know, it, it's a. Uh, we we haven't talked about pivoting, but her question is, you know, it, it's um. So she said, uh, I've heard that you say the next decade is likely to bring even more changes for authors and for the publishing industry uh, that has been in the past decade. So what? Do you, Joanna, think that indie authors and publishers should be doing now or thinking about now or learning about now in order to prepare for that change? How can we be well positioned to jump on opportunities that may be coming? Well, I mean, I I think it is a great uh, question. And certainly the mistakes I have made are because I narrowed my choices. So my recommendation is to keep your options open as much as possible. And for authors, that means keeping your intellectual property rights. So when you write a book, um, you you own the copyright, you, you own it. If you sign a publishing agreement with a publisher, and there's nothing wrong with that, you should if you want to, but negotiate that contract because I've seen contracts <laughs> which just blow my mind. So all languages, all countries, um, all formats now and to be invented for the life of copyright, which is your entire lifetime plus 70 years after you die. And people are signing contracts like that for a couple of thousand dollars. And I'm just like, do you realize you've just signed away that you can't do anything with that now? So if you decided you wanted to podcast a chapter of your book, you couldn't. Mm. If, if suddenly um, a, a Chinese publisher offered you a deal, you couldn't take that deal. If um, AI voice um, narration was suddenly available it, for all languages all over the world, which is what I want, uh, you can't take that because you've signed those rights away to someone else. So the biggest thing you have to think about, because this is the difference with a book and a video or a blog post. I mean, you still have copyright over your creative work, but if you, but you, most people are not signing a license deal. Although when you and I were at podcast world, um, pod, what, yeah, what was it? Podcast oh, movement. movement. Yeah. 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 Um, someone did offer me a deal for my show on their network. And I was like, oh yeah. So, uh, what does that involve? And essentially I'm an independent creator and they wanted my exclusive feed Right. But not for Joe Rogan money. I was like, so uh, yeah, so what's how much? He's like, well, um, no, you know, they weren't even going to pay. I was like, what is going on? What? <laughs> he couldn't believe it because I was like, oh, I don't understand the upside for me. <laughs> like, why would I even consider that? Right, he's exactly. like, okay. And he wandered off towards some people who didn't really know their worth. Um, <laughs> but it was, it, it, this is the thing. So in order to take advantage of the next 10 years, just think about the last 10 years. I mean, I didn't even think I had a, uh, an iPhone 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, certainly, things were very, very different. Ebooks were just starting to go mainstream. You know, there's so many things that we just didn't have. Um, so, basically, what I would say is just keep your options open. If someone offers you a contract for your work, look at the clauses. So, don't don't sign all languages, all formats now to be invented. I mean, what the hell? How is that even a clause? <laughs> um, so, for example, um, there will be space rights. 
Mm. So at the moment, all audio rights are for terrestrial rights. But what about those people heading off on their on their space holidays and things like that? At the moment, they can't listen to anything because nothing's licensed for it. So th- I mean, that's just one example. But there are um, I I made some mistakes. So for example, I signed an audio exclusive deal uh, seven years ago, which is just coming up now. Uh, so I've had to wait years to get that back, basically. And at the time, it was fine, but I'm kind of annoyed at myself, but at least it wasn't 70 years after I died. <laughs> yeah. I mean, these details really matter as ridiculous as the the deal sounded. Those deals are out there. And I see even some of my clients and friends taking them. Mm. It just, it really blows my mind that how much we are willing to say, let's guest post, uh, a guest on other people's shows, uh, like you are right now, but we're friends and they're, you know, they're mutual benefits. Um, but sometimes I see people almost want to be exclusively appearing on other magazines, publications, names, brands. I think we often so undermine or undervalue ourselves that mm. the, the type of content you can create and control. Um, I think if for nothing else, that, that's such a main takeaway from... I, I have a... Brand. I'm just reading a book at the moment. I'm reading on audio, but... Um, yeah. Sorry, I'm just stretching over. I don't know if you read this book. It's called Playing Big by Tara Moore. No, I've not heard this of this. This is a really good book. Um, and I'm listening to it on audio. Bought it in print because I like to, you know, scribble on things. And it's kind of more of a workbook. Mm-hmm. But this goes into exactly what you're talking about. It is more aimed at women. Um, but one that's exactly one of the things she talks about, which is it's the confidence that you have something to say. And that can be really hard. So, for example, this uh, AI book I've just written I've been a technical person for like 25 years or something. Mm-hmm. And yet I felt, and I've studied the AI stuff for, for about four years since um, uh, the DeepMind thing with the game of Go, Lisa Dole. And, but I have felt like I'm not qualified to talk about this. I, you know, and I've just reported on it, but I've never created my own content in that space because I've been so held back by my own fears of judgment, of people not thinking I'm good enough, that my voice doesn't matter, that actually the AI space is very male dominated. Um, You know, how can I have something to say? And then I was reading that book and she's like, you know, play a bigger game. And I know, and you're lovely saying things about how I've helped you and, but we're always moving forward, right? We're always moving into a new space. And I've been kind of obsessing about this idea of what I want to do next for my next decade. Mm. And this idea of playing bigger and stepping into your power, this is scary stuff. So if people listening, like if you're feeling well, who am I to say things? Well, why not you? You know, you don't have to have a PhD in artificial intelligence <laughs> to write a book on it and hit number one on Amazon.com in, in artificial intelligence. So that's, yeah, I know I was really proud of myself. <laughs> oh my goodness. I was so proud of you writing the book and I'm so glad you brought this up because I, not that I feared for you, I, I don't really fear much for you because I think you- <laughs> I'll be all right. <laughs> you got the creative muscles to really- um, come, you know, really be able to handle a lot of situations or to be able to process that intelligently. But when I saw the book, I was like, wow, now, who knows, maybe now this is, maybe only half of Joanna's audience is ready for this. And oh, it's about 3%, actually. <laughs> but it, but the point, the point, this, and this is another point. Yeah. You can't, 
you can't keep saying the same things as everybody else. Mm-hmm. You can't. So I was one of the first people to have a blog and a podcast about self-publishing, but now they're to a penny. They're everywhere. I was one of the first people to write a book for independent authors on how to do marketing. Uh, now they are really to a penny everywhere. So this year, again, I was thinking, have I said enough? There's nothing new to say. I just, I don't want to repeat what other people are saying in the niche because why bother? Mm. Like really? Why? I don't, I, I don't want to talk about that. And so I was thinking, do I give it up mm-hmm. because I have nothing more to say or do I stretch? Mm-hmm. And some people will follow me and I will still be talking about the writing craft and all of these things. And in fact, as I said, I'm probably going to, I haven't told anyone, but since we're here, I'm probably going to spin that out into another website because it does serve a different audience. Mm-hmm. And that's another thing. I feel like we do segment ourselves in these different ways um, over time, which which is fine. And if you're multi-passionate, you're going to do that. But I, I think it's you have to think about your own development as well as the de- development of your um, community. And people want ideas. They want you to be a thought leader. They mm-hmm. want to hear your personal situation. They don't just want regurgitation of 10 tips on productivity. Right. So right. yeah, it's it's trying to blend both of those two things. But at the end of the day, in fact, talking about productivity tips, that was one of the articles that the AI writer wrote that got to number one on Hacker News and nobody knew it was an AI. Um, So yeah, writing tips, content marketing about productivity can be done by a machine. So what makes you special? Mm -hmm. um, That's the important thing. Mm. This is so important. I know we're at the end of the show, this recording, but it's it's so important to hear about 3%. A lot of people simply won't go there. And um, because people didn't really witness witness us together, but I was like your little tail uh, at Podcast Movement. I was following you to like Descript, if you remember, which is now huge. Mm. And, and another company very similar to that, but they use words to edit videos, reach out to me to sponsor my video on YouTube. So I, I have to send that link to you shortly after this, just called type something. I forgot the name of the company. Um, but it just, it's just so daring. And most people don't think of me as following many people at all. But I saw that, you know, you would text me to say, fake, go to this booth, check out this technology. And I, you really helped me kind of just push me forward to say, don't just go to the same company, same booth, doing, continue to do things that you're used to. Uh, that was, uh, really eye-opening um, for me. So I know we are, I promise that I will let you get some rest. Is there anything that I haven't asked that you're, you're eager to, to share with us? Uh, well, I guess if people, you know, I have a YouTube channel, it's, it's mainly audio at this point, but I have the Creative Pen podcast, Pen with a double N. And um, yeah, I mean, that's the main place. If, if anyone's got any questions, then probably the best place for me is Twitter at the Creative Pen with a double N. And uh, just coming back to what is the core of my business, we've talked about loads of things, but it still is writing books. And in fact, I have a, I have a lot of stuff on my wall. You probably do too. But the number one thing I've got here is create a body of work I'm proud of. And I think that's true of everything we do. You know, you've got your documentary and that's part of your body of work. These videos are part of your body of work. Your book is going to be part of your body of work. And that is the long-term thinking that I want people listening to have. Seriously, don't waste your time on 10 tips to be more productive. Like, 
go deeper like you're doing around the immigrant experience of business and do stuff that actually matters to you because you if we've learned one thing in this pandemic year it's life is short and life is fragile and we have to make the most of our life so if you're not spending your time doing work that matters then what's the point you know just get a standard day job mm-hmm. <laughs> and do that just get be a delivery driver mm-hmm. <laughs> um you know there are lots of things that you could do that are not meaningful necessarily but if you're going to do creative work mm-hmm. then make sure it does mean something so that that would probably be my last tip is really think about what you want to create as we move into this next decade you know the 2020s hopefully the roaring 20s as they're maybe calling it as we emerge back in the world again. Mm. I, I love that. And uh, thank you so much, Joanna. I'm so, so grateful for you to, to join us on this. If I can ask you to think of if one thing that comes to mind that enable you to create so much more even uh, during 2020, what would it be? Would, any part of your routine or like... It- <laughs> oh, but that's really obvious. It's called not traveling anywhere or doing anything except being at home, working all the time. I have literally put out twice as many books as I normally do, but I'm my life ha- is not as rich as it has been. And I've pretty much emptied my head. So we better be out there in 2021 because I need to feed my creative self in order to produce. But yeah, I mean, I've definitely learned that cancelling everything really does leave time for (laughs) creation. So, I mean, it is something that I will take to heart. Like if I have a project, I really need to schedule more space without doing stuff because I've been so bored. I've just ended up writing more books. (laughs) (laughs) Way to go. Thank you for that, Joanna. I'm going to take us offline. And for everybody who's just hopping on, all the links below this video can be replayed across all platforms, including LinkedIn, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter. So um, thank you so much again. Thank you. Bye. This episode of the Face World podcast is brought to you by Face World LLC our marketing service agency created for independent creators and businesses. We offer website development, video production, marketing mentorship to people who want to tell better stories, level up, and create a profitable brand. Face World Podcast team, our chief editor and producer, Herman Ceballos, associate producer, Adam Leffert, social media and content manager, Rose DeLeon, transcript editor, Alina, Ahmidova, and lastly, myself, the creator and host of Phase World. Thank you so much for listening. <laughs>